Hey, Prime members, you can listen to The Vanished ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. I just don't believe that he could just walk away like this. It just don't make sense. They were supposed to come home uh, on Monday, the second, and uh, it never happened. So our searches started out looking for, we were looking for a body and then we would think differently. Oh, maybe, maybe he just wandered off with these people that go to these festivals and just hop trains and go to the next festival, and that's how they live. I cannot believe that Kevin would do something like this because he was so close with us. Kevin was very loved. I guess the best way to describe his soul, he was just a kind and gentle soul. But when he got sad, it hurt. It broke your heart because he's so sweet. On July 1st, 2018, 28-year-old Kevin Graves went missing while spending the weekend at the Electric Forest Music Festival in Oceana County, Michigan. Kevin was attending the music festival with his girlfriend Kayla and their friends when an alleged argument broke out between the couple. According to those with Kevin that day, he stormed off while acting erratic and he was never seen or heard from again. Kevin and the belongings he had with him at the moment he walked off, such as his wallet and cell phone, were never found. Kevin's girlfriend notified the police that he was missing, and she told his family that she couldn't find him after the festival. Knowing this was unlike him, Kevin's loved ones went into immediate action to try and find him. What would transpire next would be a mysterious series of events. From theorizing that he had been a victim of foul play, to then believing he had left on his own accord, Kayla began to distance herself from his disappearance. She began to accept that Kevin was simply gone because he wanted to be. However, Kevin's family does not feel the same way. While Kevin had his differences and issues with those he loved over the course of his life, there is nothing leading them to believe that he would just walk away from those he cared about forever. What they would uncover in their investigation would be a series of strange possibilities as to what happened to Kevin that day. So what truly happened to Kevin Graves on July 1st, 2018? I'm Marissa, and from Wondery, this is episode 166 of The Vanished, Kevin Graves' Story. Audible offers an incredible selection of audiobooks across every genre, from bestsellers and new releases to celebrity memoirs, mysteries, and thrillers, and more. And my favorite part is that members can choose one title a month to keep from their entire catalog. The Audible app makes it easy to listen anytime, anywhere, while traveling, working out, doing chores, you decide. I carve out a little bit of time each evening to listen while I'm cooking, and right now I'm listening to Lay Them to Rest by Laura Norton. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash MIA or text MIA to 500-500. That's audible.com slash MIA or text MIA to 500-500. Leonard Bernstein once said, Music can name the unnameable and communicate the unknowable. Some people relate deeply to music. It helps connect people. But more importantly, it can be a comfort to a person in their darkest times. 28-year-old Kevin Graves was an individual who had a deep admiration and appreciation for music, so much so that he frequented large music festivals. The type of music festivals that Kevin would attend were not just one-day events. 
They would span many days. On July 1st, 2018, Kevin was attending a music festival with his girlfriend Kayla and their mutual friends. At some point during the festival, Kayla and Kevin allegedly got into an argument that caused Kevin to walk away from Kayla, never to be seen or heard from again. But before we dive into the details surrounding his disappearance, we need to go back to the beginning. Who was Kevin Graves? For this episode, we had the opportunity to speak with Kevin's father, Gary, and his sister, Kelly. Here is Gary speaking of his relationship with Kevin and what he was like growing up. He was very stubborn, but he was still a good kid. He was very polite to people. Everybody loved him. I mean, ain't nobody in the family that didn't think he was the best. They all uh, shared things with him. He was the one that Ever since I can remember, he uh, Thanksgiving, he always said a prayer, you know, at dinner. And that's something my wife this year really missed. It bothered her. And uh, this is the first time in 28 years. So he got in trouble like most kids do when they're growing up. and But nothing that serious that it couldn't be handled. He gave me a hard time, gave me a lot of gray hair, but I still got a lot of feelings for the boy, and he was easy to teach. Whatever I'd teach him, he wouldn't forget. He ended up being a good mechanic. He could be a carpenter. He could be a laborer. He'd do anything. He likes to learn things. I've given him a lot of lessons, and uh, there's nothing you can't fix. And He's always said that, you know, my dad says there ain't nothing you can't fix. So he's told people that I don't know how many times they say, oh, you ain't gonna fix that. And he says, my dad will. And uh, he brings it to me and I fix it and he takes it back to him, you know. So see, I told you, he was just a good kid. He enjoyed doing things. <laughs> he loved his mother. He always called her. He, didn't call her, he texted her. Same thing with his sister. Him and I always could talk. He would call me to get a lot of advice. And Should I do this or shouldn't I? And I said, well, you want the truth, I wouldn't do it. Well, why is that? And I'd explain to him why, and he'd say, okay. Just like before he went on his trip with his girlfriend, he says, I'll be back on Monday, and uh, I got the rest of the week off. I'll come over and we'll get some things done. Maybe we can go up to the cabin and finish doing that uh, moldings and stuff up there. And I said, that yeah, sounds like a good idea. Just the two of us? He said, yeah, just the two of us. I said, okay. That was the last time I heard from him. Haven't heard a word from him since. Kevin was close to his loved ones. But like any family, they all had their differences. Gary was not a fan of the fact that Kevin smoked marijuana. But despite that, he knew Kevin was a great person. Here's Kevin's older sister, Kelly, giving a similar sentiment of what type of person Kevin was. Kevin is about six years younger than me. We have an older half-sister and an older half-brother that did not live in the same house with us. It was my dad's second marriage. My dad had his own business as a mechanic, and my mom worked for the state. We went to a Lutheran school. Kevin actually went to the public high school there. And we just grew up normal. We celebrated holidays with family, big family. We had dinner. I never remember being without. Um, we never wanted for anything. We certainly weren't spoiled, but we, we lived just a normal middle-class life. Kevin is a very... He's a very emotional person. He loves really, really hard. When he loves, he loves hard. And when he's sad, he, he got really sad. So that was evident in his adolescent years. And he did have a hard time paying attention in school. He wasn't very book smart, but he could, I mean, he could take apart anything and put it back together, just like my dad. And he's very, he was just very, a very good mechanic. I moved away, went to college, and he was so, 
this is how emotional Kevin was. He was so emotional that I had left that I came back that very same weekend with a friend just to grab some more stuff that I forgot because it was about an hour away. And when he walked in the door, he saw me and he just cried because he was so surprised to see me and he, he already missed me so much. That's how hard he loved. He was a typical teenage adolescent boy, got into your basic trouble, nothing serious, but you know, we all make poor decisions as teenagers and young adults, but nothing terrible. I worked at my dad's shop in Dearborn, Michigan, and just doing side jobs. And he worked at auto parts stores. He would do jobs on the side. Um, he worked at Roush Racing for a short period of time with my older brother, Tim. That ended. And then he worked at Detroit Metro Airport for a while, basically just doing like hand, you know, lifting and handiwork kind of stuff. He tried going to uh, college, but it just wasn't, it just wasn't his thing. He did not do well with the book studies and the basic courses you had to do. So that just, he was not that kind of a student. He's more of a trade school, learning by hand and learning the trades, the things that you know, like plumbers and electricians and stuff like welders. At the time of his disappearance, Kevin was dating a woman named Kayla. Kayla had two children that Kevin adored. The pair arrived at the Electric Forest Music Festival on the afternoon of June 27th. The Electric Forest Music Festival has been around since 2008. The festival takes place on a 1,200-acre ranch, Thousands of people from all over the world come to listen to electronic and jam band music. The events typically last five days straight or are split up into back-to-back weekend events, depending on the year. June 27, 2018 was a Wednesday, and it's when Kevin and Kayla made their way to the event. They had intended to stay at the festival until its end that weekend. According to one story that was told about the event, Kevin and Kayla got into a fight. The story changed a few times, but generally, Kayla told authorities that Kevin was acting strangely and slightly erratic. He confronted her about some jealousies he was experiencing, and the pair began to argue. Kevin allegedly stormed away from her, and that was the last Kayla would ever see him. Leading up to the event, Kevin showed no signs to his family that he had intended to leave his life behind. In fact, he appeared to be in a great mood. Nothing seemed out of place. Things were good when he left. He speaks with my mom or spoke with my mom every day. I would at least get a phone call on the way when he was on his way to work because that's when my kids were napping and he would call me or send me a text and just let me know he was thinking about me and that he missed me. I remember specifically he left on a Wednesday, the Wednesday before he went missing. I spoke to him that Tuesday. And Kevin was an atheist, even though we grew up going to church, he just didn't really, he thought life was bad. And why would God make life so bad if there is a God and he's so great? Why? That was his mentality. So I had just randomly stumbled across this video of how to describe why God is real to an atheist. And me being a strong Christian, active in the church and and what have you, and um, Bible studies and whatnot, I I struggle with that too. I even have my doubts. So when I saw this video, it took me aback. And I, I sent him this video. I said, Kevin, it's about an hour long. It doesn't cost you anything. Can you just watch it? And he said, yeah, I'll watch it at work tonight. I said, I want to see you in heaven one day. When, it, when our day comes, I want to see you in heaven you know, you don't have to give money to the church. You don't have to go to church. All you have to do is believe. And I was very like, not pushy, but I just, I was very emotional about it. And I said, I really just, just please watch it. He called me the next day. And um, when he got up to the festival on that Wednesday, and he said, I watched that video that you sent me last night. And I really want to talk to you about it. I was blown away that he even brought it up and that he even watched it. And so I said, that's great. And he said, "Um, I'll call you Monday when I get back. And I said, awesome. I said, have a great time. 
be safe, make good decisions, and call any of us if you need something. So, you know, the day, that was a Wednesday um, in the afternoon. Every day leading up until his disappearance, the following Sunday, he would send me a text just saying, I love you, sis. I hope you're having a good day, which was not out of the ordinary for him to do. He and his girlfriend had been having, I think, some trust issues. And I think Kevin was suspicious of of things that either did or didn't happen. I, I don't know because only she knows the truth to that. But I, I believe he was a little upset about something that may have happened that he saw or heard about, or maybe he was just overthinking it. So I think he went up there with that in mind as well. And they went up there with another couple, well, not a couple, but um, another male and a female. Kevin had had suspicion that this male and his girlfriend, Kevin's girlfriend, Kayla, had had a a relationship, um, I believe. He was really nervous about that. Everything seemed to be fine when he was up there. He texted like normal. He just seemed to be having a good time. They were posting pictures on Facebook. To gain a better understanding of the type of event that Kevin was at with his girlfriend, here's Kelly speaking about their perception of what the Electric Forest Music Festival was like. It's called the Electric Forest, and it's uh, electronic dance music, and it's usually associated when people think of this kind of music and activities it's usually associated with psychedelic drugs marijuana um, ecstasy even acid i'm not sure it's not something that i was into but i know that he really enjoyed the music whether or not he did those drugs on a regular basis is besides smoking marijuana is not something that i am sure of i don't think so Gary went on to speak about what kind of security was at this event. There's a lot of drug use, and uh, we found out that a lot of their security up there are uh, police officers, off-duty police officers that are up there, and, uh, you know, they're doing it for the extra money they can make, but, you know, there's still there's laws being broken. You need to have something done. I know a woman that uh, she lives down in uh, Gibraltar, Michigan here, uh, her son got his back broke. Uh, they robbed him at an ATM machine after he got some money out of there and they, uh, took the living hell out of him and broke his back. They took him to the uh, medical tent there and, uh, checked them all out and everything. And when I talked to her last, she told me she took him uh, to a hospital and, uh, he spent a few weeks there before they could transport him back home, and he's still not right. While most people who attend the festival are there for a peaceful and fun weekend of enjoying music with other festival attendees, out of the estimated 30,000 people who were there the weekend that Kevin disappeared, police only investigated 97 complaints, ranging from drug crimes to assault and destruction of property. Let me guess, your medicine cabinet is crammed with stuff that doesn't work. You still aren't sleeping. You still hurt, and you're stressed out. That's how it was for me. So I cleared out my cabinet, and I'm excited to reset my health with CBD from CB Distillery. CB Distillery's targeted formulations are made from the highest quality clean ingredients. No fluff, no fillers, just pure, effective CBD solutions designed to help support your health. In two non-clinical surveys, 81% of customers experienced more calm. 80% said CBD helped with pain after physical activity, and an impressive 90% said they slept better with CBD. If you struggle with a health concern and haven't found relief, make the change to CB Distillery. And with over 2 million customers and a solid 100% money-back guarantee, CB Distillery is the source to trust. I have a 20% discount to get you started. Visit cbdistillery.com and use code VANISHED for 20% off. That's cbdistillery.com code VANISHED. cbdistillery.com. The team at Hungry Root just sent me a new box full of yummy stuff. My favorite was the rotisserie chicken green goddess salad, but our box was packed full of other delicious things too, like snacks and fresh produce. 
And my favorite part is that Hungry Root makes my weekday evenings go so much smoother. It's the easiest way to get fresh, high-quality groceries and simple, healthy recipes delivered to your door. All you have to do is take a fun, short quiz, and Hungry Root will get to know your personal health goals. Then they'll build a personalized cart with all of your grocery needs for the week and give you delicious recipe recommendations to put those groceries to good use. And my favorite part is that everything from Hungry Root follows a simple standard. It's got to taste good, be quick to make, and contain whole, trusted ingredients. Right now, Hungry Root is offering the Vanish listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com Vanish to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com Vanished. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. Without anyone truly watching or paying attention, it's possible that Kevin could have left the event without anyone noticing which way he went or if he went off with other people. With the amount of people walking through this area, it seems nearly impossible to figure out where Kevin may have gone. It's also difficult to get eyewitness accounts that accurately portray what happened. This particular music festival was known to have a lot of drugs, particularly psychedelic ones so it would prove to be challenging to interview individuals from a third party and trust the account. What is curious is that the timeline of events, according to the people who were with Kevin at the event, is slightly different depending on who is asked. Things like times and the last time they saw Kevin did not match up with other stories being told. What we do know is that Kevin withdrew $200 out of a joint checking account that he and his girlfriend shared somewhere between 1 and 2 p.m. on the day he went missing. I was curious about what Kayla, Kevin's girlfriend, had to say about what transpired that day. But when we reached out to Kayla, she declined to be interviewed. So what we have is the word of Kevin's family as to what happened that day, which was relayed to them by those who were with Kevin. She said that he just walked away. They got in an argument about something, and uh, she said she was going back to the camp area, and he was going to go into the park with his, the other two friends, and they said, let us go back to our camp and get what we need, and we'll come back here and meet you, and we'll go in together, you know. Well, they came back. Kevin was gone. They never saw him again. And they claim they searched for him all night long, but it seems funny that if this happened uh, the way they said it did, it uh, their timelines are all wrong because he's had drawn money out of a ATM machine of about two hundred dollars, and that was about I think they said it around one or two o'clock in the afternoon. I went around. Uh, called the bank and everything else, tried getting information from them. The only thing I could get information on was stuff that my name was on with them. But that was about it. Him and his girlfriend had a, a joint account, and uh, they used it supposedly for paying bills and stuff. And it was with the credit union, but they, the credit union couldn't give me any information because he only had it in her name and his name. So it kind of makes it hard for me to find anything out. She was active on the account and spent, took all the money, and she used every bit of it. So. While it may seem strange that Kayla would use all of the money in the accounts that she shared with Kevin, there may be a reasonable explanation for this. Kayla would later tell Kelly that she continued to pay off loans that Kevin had and his bills so he would not default on anything. After a while, it made sense that the accounts would be severely depleted, especially since Kevin was not around to input more money into them. However, given the situation and the mysteriousness that is surrounding his disappearance, it's understandable why this would appear to be suspicious. While speaking with Kelly, we asked her when was the last time she had spoken to Kevin that weekend. The last message he sent me was at 1.55 p.m., Sunday, July 1st, and it said something to the effect, there was a few typos, but it's all good, Kel, everything's going to be all right. I love you, or I love you the most. I love you the most, he said. And he sent something very strange to my dad, but it didn't make a lot of sense. 
we're still trying to figure out what that I mean, we're just still trying to figure it out. Kelly sent us the last text messages that her family received from Kevin, and they are odd. She mentioned that her father got a weird one on the day of Kevin's disappearance. The text was received at 7.55 a.m., and it read, I love you so much for your service, Dad. Thank you for your service. I'll be able to pay you back some now or day. No one is certain what Kevin meant by this. Kevin's father, Gary, was in the Marines, but it's unclear if that's what he's referring to. It seems like an odd time to mention it. Although, if he had taken some sort of drug, that could be an explanation for a strange message. Several hours later, Kevin's mom received a couple messages from him. At 12.08 p.m., his mother wrote, How are you guys doing? At 12.10, he replied, Nothing. At 12.11, she wrote, Is everything okay? And Kevin responded a minute later with nothing. Over an hour later and around the same time that Kevin withdrew $200 from his bank account, Kelly got this message. Everything's good. I love you the most. Whether there's important meaning in these messages, we can't be sure. They could be chalked up to him being under the influence, or maybe there is something more to them. You know, Monday comes along and that's when they're closing the festival. I don't hear anything from Kevin, which is not surprising. Sometimes he went for a few days and I didn't hear from him. The following day, Kelly received a phone call from her mother who was becoming concerned about Kevin. And she says, I don't want to put this on you because I have a lot going on in just regular life. And I said, what do you mean you can't find Kevin? Grown man, 28 years old. What do you mean you can't find Kevin? She said, we just, we don't know where he is. He just walked off somewhere and Kayla can't find him. She called us. She just thought it was, she thought he had wandered off and would have come back. So she didn't think much of it. And then, you know, the next day it kind of got a little bit more serious. So evidently she had gone and got her father to come back up there and help search the grounds for Kevin. That's part of the story, which unfortunately, kept changing and keeps changing from her standpoint. The evolution of this whole thing is that when we found out that he was missing, I mean, she's beside herself. She really did. I truly believe she loved Kevin. She was crying, upset. During those first few days after Kevin disappeared, Kelly and Kayla decided to call around to the hospitals, morgues, and jails in the area. I know that she was calling because The people would get mad and annoyed and they would say, I know another girl just called, you know, and it was Kayla that had called. So I know that she was trying to help us look for him. And she was so helpful. She was giving us everything we thought we needed. And I posted things on Facebook and she was sharing things about three weeks into this whole ordeal. She sent me a message saying that she started to was starting to pack up his things because they did reside together in Highland Township. That is where the police report, even though he went missing three and a half hours away, the police report had to be filed with Oakland County Sheriff's Department in southeastern Michigan, right outside Detroit, because that's where he lived. So unfortunately, the communication between state police officers up there trying to help, it's not always easy. So she was very helpful in the beginning, and then things kind of started to take a turn where I don't know why I didn't think about this at first, but I was so intent that where could he be that I didn't think to ask these questions because I'm not a detective, but she had given me the names and the phone numbers of the people that went with her. Their names were James and Angel. She gave me their full names and their phone numbers, and they spoke with me via text and they answered my questions. I never interrogated them, but they did respond to me. You know, it didn't seem like they had anything to hide. But once I started asking like, well, gosh, you know, if we could only have his records of incoming and outgoing phone calls and outgoing text messages, that might help. That might help establish somebody else that may have spoken to him. But because it was in her mother's name, we had to get permission from her and her mother in order to obtain those. Now, we never asked for Kayla, but 
we wanted Kevin's because we wanted to see who else he would have spoken to. And once we kind of started asking questions like that, she got a little defensive. And I think a lot of the stress was getting to her. And I think rightfully so. The story got out on Facebook all over the place. I mean, it was shared tens of thousands of times and people were saying mean things about her and I truly did feel bad for her. I do have a lot of family members that would say a lot worse things about her. I don't know if they're true or not, but she has two children and I I wouldn't want to say anything like that publicly unless I knew for sure. When she kind of inadvertently refused to give those kinds of things to us, it it, kind of just set off alarm bells. Like, why wouldn't you just, it's not going to tell us what he said in those, it'll just at least give us some numbers and a timeline and stuff. And she, she wouldn't, she wouldn't give it to us. And when I got more persistent on it, she got really defensive. And this is a girl who we spoke almost every day about Kevin, like, what are we going to do next? How are we going to do this? She would go on the search parties with my family. She would drive back and forth multiple times a week, going up and searching for him in the surrounding areas. I couldn't see why somebody would I mean, she took off time from work and she could have gotten in, she could have gotten fired. I mean, she really went above and beyond. I felt my father, who also felt the same way, that she was being helpful. She was even paying his, using what was left of his work checks to keep making payments on his loan so that he wouldn't default. So when you think about that kind of stuff, it doesn't seem like that's a person who has anything to hide. But then people started saying really awful things about her, and I think the stress got to her, and she just decided to cut all of us out of her life. I mean, we're talking blocked from Facebook, blocked our phone calls. She had friends that would send me mean Facebook messages, and it was hard to hear, and they would say terrible things about Kevin. Well, we can't help him that he was such a a drug addict and all this. But her story kept kind of changing. So our searches started out looking for, it it went one day to the other, like we were looking for a body and then we would think differently. Oh, maybe, or maybe he overdosed or something and maybe he's just lying in the woods somewhere and dead. Maybe he just wandered off with these people that go to these festivals and just hop trains and go to the next festival. And that's how they live. I cannot believe that Kevin would do something like this because he was so close with us. Kevin was very loved. I guess the best way to describe his soul, he was just a kind and gentle soul. But when he got sad, you know, it hurt, it broke your heart because he's so sweet. It's strange that multiple stories didn't match up as to what happened that day. Could it be an instance of misremembering? Or is there something that Kayla and Kevin's friends are trying to hide? We made a, a flyer up and under the circumstances, it had said, like, got into an argument with his girlfriend. And one of the stories was it said that he went back to the tent and later was found to not be there. And then another story that she told me was that Kevin and James walked off to one of the festival shows after he and Kayla had had an argument and they walked off to the festival shows together. And James even told the Oakland County Sheriff, Sergeant Bach, that James was the last person to see him. He said Kevin was just acting erratic and ripping off his armbands and just walked off. There's two different stories there. One of them was that he was supposed to be back at the tent. The other one was that he got upset and walked off and Kayla went to the tent to take a nap. And nothing really makes sense. And whenever you would ask them, they would get defensive. So it was hard to get anything else out of them. For this episode, we were able to speak with Oakland County Sheriff Sergeant David Bach about what the authorities have done to try and locate Kevin. According to Sergeant Bach, the jurisdiction in which Kevin went missing is not the one handling his case. Because Kevin lived in Highland, Michigan, the police there are the ones who have taken the lead on the investigation. Where he lives, he lives in Highland, Michigan, kind of on the east side of the state. Where he went missing from is on the west side of the state. And the Michigan State Police have jurisdiction over that area. 
he went over to this music music festival on the west side of the state. He walked away from his girlfriend. His girlfriend comes back to where I am on the east side, my jurisdiction, and reports him missing. You know, we took a missing persons on it, just, you know, let's say assuming he's going to come back, but he hasn't shown up in any way. So, you know, there's kind of the incident here, but there's a whole other, you know, the search and all that and the music festival doesn't even happen in my jurisdiction. I just, I just know from it, from what the internet shows me. There's nothing that appears to be nefarious about his disappearance in any way. He was at the music festival, got in an argument with his girlfriend and then walked away and hasn't been heard from since. Sergeant Bach interviewed Kayla but it appears that they both believe that Kevin just walked away from the life that he knew. Well, I've spoken, his girlfriend lives in Highland. Last time I spoke with her, you know, we sat and talked for an hour and a half. And in the end, she's like, I don't want anything to do with him. I don't want anything to do with his dad. His dad keeps bugging me. He walked away from me. And she's like, I'm done with him. He walked away from me. Well, I'm, I'm not going to sit down and wait for him forever. That's your view on it, and that's more than fair. They weren't married. They did not have any children in common. She owned the house here. So, you know, I don't blame her. I would do the same thing. She's always talking with me. She goes, I have no problems dealing with you, but she goes, I'm tired of dealing with his dad and his family and all this other stuff. I didn't do anything. He left me, so I don't want them bothering me. I want to move forward with my life. Sergeant Bach went on to speak about the culture of the music festival and the activity that typically goes on at those types of events. You know, it's a music festival. It's known for, you go there to listen to music and do drugs. That's why you go there. That's, that's what the whole music festival is based on, is you're going there and you're doing drugs there as well. That's the music they listen to. That's the subculture they're in. And that's the music festival they go to. You know, that doesn't make it any easier trying to, you know, they weren't, you know, he's not an executive at General Motors and she works as a nurse. You know, so that's one of the things about this as well. It seems as though there is a slight hint of stigma floating around this investigation due to the culture that Kevin was a part of. Yes, there was drug use at this event, but does that mean that his disappearance should be deemed less important? Sergeant Bach knows the family wants answers, but his mind is set on the fact that Kevin walked away willingly, something that the family does not believe he would have done for this amount of time. And we're not talking about like a 13-year-old girl. You know, we're talking about a grown adult who has the ability to walk away if they'd like. You know, again, like I said, he lives in that subculture. I've talked to some of his friends who some will think he moved over, tried moving to California or something. So he talked about going out there and freaking growing weed. So, you know, that doesn't make it any easier. You know, like I said, he didn't own a house. His vehicle was broken down. And I've got people asking, well, did she kill him out there and bury him? Or what if he overdosed out there? I go... Well, if you overdosed out there, people overdose all the time across the U.S. They call 911. They're at a music festival with a lot of drugs being used. I'm sure there was multiple overdoses there. They call the paramedics and get the proper medical. You're not at a festival with 3,000 people. He overdoses and while no one's looking, you bury his body out there. That's So, you know, when I explain that, I'm like, you know, you got to think logically here about what could have occurred. I don't know what happened. To be honest, I don't know. I don't know where he is. Any, I mean, and anything is obviously a possibility, but just, you know, the speculation that people throw out there is very just opinionated general speculation. You know, when they ask about his girlfriend, I go, what's her motive? They weren't married, no kids. She owns the house. What's her motivation to murder, to, to take him all the way across the other side of the state and murder him at a festival? Why would she murder him here? Let alone, why would she murder him anyways? There's no life insurance policy on them. There's no, she's not trying to get out of a bad relationship. They're not married. So, you know, I go, well, what's the motivation for her to even do anything to him? And no one can answer that. So, but again, you know, wild speculation, it's always easy to throw barbs and speculation at things without, you know, using logic. They've searched that whole area there. I talked to the, it's on a, it's like a 2000 acre kind of farm you know, they do different events out there. They do uh, camping out there where this venue's at. The guy's like, dude, at the end of the festival, this place is destroyed. We have to go through and clean everything up. We've been over every inch of this place. They, The Michigan State Police had dogs go out there. They even had some of their divers go kind of under, you know, uh, go along the shore under the water. And nothing was located in any way. And I'm on the dive team, and I know when somebody drowns, 
they're, they're going to float. Their body's going to float from the gases. So I know he's not drowned out there sitting on the bottom of a pond. So that area, that whole area has been searched very thoroughly by the Michigan State Police, volunteers. Heck, his girlfriend Kayla went out there and helped. I never thought he was there, and there's no reason, you know, they searched it. And, I mean, everybody seems to, at this point now, think he's not there, which I, you know, firmly believe. You know, Muskegon, you know, north of there is Muskegon, which has a large transient population as well as homeless persons living there. You know, that was where people first started kind of seeing him, but those have dried up. And, again, Kevin's a very generic-looking person as well. There's nothing really that really stands out. So that doesn't help either. Soon after Kevin went missing, Kayla packed up his belongings. She later told Sergeant Bach that she found syringes amongst his things, indicating to her that he was partaking in more than just recreational drug use. Whether this is true or not, we can't be certain. Authorities took note that Kevin's wallet and cell phone have been missing, and were most likely on him the day he disappeared. No activity has occurred on any of his accounts, including bank transactions or social media posts. His cell phone has also not been used. Finally, we asked Sergeant Bach if he believed Kevin was still alive, or if something more sinister has happened to him. I, I believe he's still alive, yep. You know, I've talked to some people who know the family, and they're like, he talked to his mom and dad every day, and... But then I talked to other people like, no, nah, he wasn't that close to his family. So it's it's hard to you know judge on exactly what the truth is. And everybody's got their version of it. You know, the family's got their skewed version of it. For the, at the beginning there, they wanted to keep, you know, well, Kayla did something. I go, well, what would she do? Why, why would she do it? And what do you think she did? And they're like, well, I don't know. Well, I don't know either. I have nothing that after speaking with her, I don't, I don't sense that she's lying to me. And I have no reason to think that she's lying to me. And there's no motive. I don't. I do not see a motive. That's a large part of it. I don't see a motive here in any way. You know, I've, I talked to the state police who are out there on the west side. They're like every year people go missing from this place. They usually turn up, but we've always had every year someone goes missing, and they turn up. You know, I talked to Kayla, her dad. And they're telling me, you know, they think he did walk away because they were explaining to me that there's a legend out there at this festival of a gentleman named Carl that supposedly disappeared from there years ago. And part of it is you walk around yelling for Carl and, you know, it's kind of just lore. And they're telling me that they... Their gut feeling is, and from statements Kevin made, is that he wants to be part of that lore of disappearing from there. I, do, I wish I knew where Kevin was. For my sake, for everybody's sake, I wish I knew where he was. I wish I did. But as of right now, every search engine that I've run and everybody I've talked to, I don't know where he's at. I'm looking at starting, you know, from page one and kind of going through the whole thing again and see what I, what I might have missed. And then maybe that might just be the little nugget that helps me find something and then you know it, it points to something that's all i can do when you love someone you protect them in the best ways you can that's why i recommend simply safe home security it's an advanced system that protects every inch of your home and backed by 24 7 professional monitoring for fast emergency response for less than a dollar a day I found their products so easy to install, and their app gives me peace of mind that I can see what's going on at my home wherever I'm at. Simply Safe is trusted by the experts. It was named Best Home Security Systems of 2024 by U.S. News and World Report. Simply Safe offers everything you need for whole home protection: HD cameras for indoors and outdoors, advanced motion sensors and entry sensors to protect doors, windows, and rooms, and a collection of hazard sensors to detect fire, flooding, and more. Plus, with a 60-day risk-free trial, if you don't love your system, return it for a full refund. Simply Safe even covers return shipping. Order now to get 20% off any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring. Don't wait. Visit simplysafe.com/mia. That's simplysafe.com/mia. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Shipping can make or break a sale. As your business grows, ShipStation can help optimize how you ship your orders so you can stay competitive while you scale up. 
With ShipStation, you can easily automate shipping tasks and manage orders in one simple dashboard. Manage orders, print labels, compare rates, optimize every shipment, and automate delivery notifications. ShipStation is the most affordable way to ship everything you sell online. They offer industry-leading discounted rates from USPS, UPS, DHL, and Global Post, with discounts up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. Over 130,000 companies have grown their e-commerce business with ShipStation. I tried out ShipStation, and I loved how easy it was to use. I was able to set it up quickly, and I was thrilled to see how much I saved on my first shipment. Optimize and keep your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Use promo code VANISH today at ShipStation.com to sign up for your free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, promo code VANISHED. Kevin's family members haven't been too happy with the investigation thus far. They believe Kevin has been put on the back burner and that the authorities believe he just walked away willingly. Finally, when I went up there to Michigan about a month after he disappeared, I am talking on the phone to the sergeant on the case, Sergeant Bach, and I asked him and I said, you know, have you spoken to the other two people that were with Kevin? when he disappeared. And he said, I didn't know that there was anybody else that was with them. And I said, well, you didn't ask Kayla when she made the missing person report when you were at her house, you didn't ask her. And he said, no. And the fact that she has a month before given me their names and phone numbers, she was not hiding that. And I had already talked to them and known that, you know, their parts of the story. So for a month later, for me to have to tell the person taking this case that there were other people with him and that he failed to even inquire about that kind of a situation was ridiculous to me. And it made me feel like they just were treating it as this, oh, he's just just some drug user that partied a little too hard and wandered off or overdosed or something like that. That is truly how my family feels. And so some people are thinking that maybe he just was really overwhelmed with life and he just said, screw it, I'm just going to go somewhere and start over. And then there were other times where we think that he maybe have overdosed and was laying on an abatement somewhere. So when we did our searches, we would search with our, you know, our sticks and everything. I mean, you search every inch of the ground and nothing changes you more than searching for your brother's dead body. And they described to you what you would see and what you would smell. And it was just such a surreal experience. I, I, I will never be the same after that. I was curious if there have been any sightings of Kevin at all from someone other than the people he was with during the music festival. During one of the searches, when I was able to participate up there, we were at the the camp where we had the trailer and everything and we were eating lunch, a woman pulls up and she said to us, can I see a flyer of this missing of this person? Cause she saw us, our staging there. And she said, that's the guy. And we're like, who's the guy that like, what do you mean? She said that I was having dinner with my mother and family And a younger man came in with no shoes and was obviously on drugs and was asking for for money for food. So she didn't give him any money, but she just made note of it, you know, and I think other people may have given him money, but it happened to be about just a couple miles away from where the festival was. and. So immediately our our search and rescue leader got in his car and went to that Mexican restaurant. And he spoke with an employee there that said the exact same thing and described him the exact same way. And both women had reported that the young man had said, my girlfriend and her dad dumped me, dumped me here. And they used the exact same words. 
So at that point, and both of them looked at Kevin's picture and said that that was him. Now, Kevin's just your average looking Michigan white guy, you know, like light skin, medium build, sandy blonde hair, blue eyes. I mean, he looks like every other Caucasian guy, facial hair, you know. So it's easy for people to say, yes, I think I saw him. I mean, I received hundreds of pictures and I'm like, I'm sorry, it's close, but it's not him. So that's when we kind of our mindset change to he is dead to he is alive. But where? Like, where is he staying? Where did he go? It is a complete and utter mystery. I I can see where my mind would trail to, oh my gosh, like he, what if he just ran off and he's working on a marijuana grow farm somewhere? Cause he was, he had a medical marijuana license. You know, he, he was very interested in stuff like that. And it, it really helped his, his mental status. I mean, it was something that worked for him when he got the medical grade, the right strains, and it really did help him. So he was very interested in it. And I'm like, well, maybe he just went out to like a grow farm somewhere in Colorado or California. And maybe he's just working there and things like that will go through my mind. But then I think, how could he not call? But Kevin grew up in a time where he was just, just over that hump where you don't memorize phone numbers anymore. You had them all on your cell phone. Now I can tell you my entire family's phone number because I used to have to dial it. But Kevin, might not know my mom's cell phone number. He might not know mine. But there are so many different ways that he could have reached out or this story has gotten all the way to California and Oregon. And for somebody to have not seen him, it it just blows my mind. With a potential sighting of Kevin, the family finally had some hope that he was alive. However, The theory that would come out next when it came to his whereabouts was something they were not expecting. Someone informed the family that Kevin may have joined a group called the Twelve Tribes. There was, at one point, an idea that he may have gone with a... They wouldn't call themselves a cult, but a cult by every other meaning of the word. It's called the Twelve Tribes. And the Twelve Tribes... They're very private, and they um, reportedly and admittedly go to festivals of this kind, kind of looking for lost souls to or people who are just lost and needing some direction, needing some needing a way out of their drug habits, and they take them in and give them shelter and food in return for work, like whether it be one of their delis or work on a farm, and they're all over the place. And I called so many of them, and most of them were very nice, and they listened to me, and a few even called me back after they did some, what they said, investigating to see if there were any of their buses. They are called like the double-decker buses that are up there and these festivals looking for people to help. Now, whether or not, like some people would argue that these 12 tribes, they'll say that they drug people to keep them there. That is not what I have come to believe or find out from talking to these people. But there is one in Michigan, a couple hours from where he disappeared. And I called them first and I spoke to them. Our search and rescue leader, my father, and another gentleman went to the farm a few weeks ago, looked around, and asked to see all of their employees and, I mean, all their pictures and everything, and none of them were Kevin. They eventually were able to find out that one of their buses was up at this music festival. And other festival goers have told me that, yes, we saw one of their buses up there. So I don't know what to believe. I've called the 12 tribes everywhere. I've called Colorado. I've called California. I've called Pennsylvania, Vermont, Missouri, and 
they don't seem to really be close to each other. Like they don't seem to really know the goings on between each, but it's easy for them to connect if they wanted to. So uh, one gentleman from Colorado, he called, I called him on a Saturday and he said, you know what, let me do some checking around for you. I got, I'll make some phone calls and, and I'm thinking, sure, like you're really going to get back to me. He called me three days later and he said, you know, I've called everywhere and I don't have any evidence of a bus being up there. He said, and I'm really sorry if, if you want to email me a picture of him, I will definitely keep an eye out in case he ever wanders in. So that ended up being a dead end. They say that they look for or they welcome lost souls. And so they specifically sometimes, I don't want to say target, but they specifically go to these sorts of festivals, you know, hoping or just being available to help people who are either um, depressed or on drugs and want to get off. And they offer them comforts like air conditioning, food, water, and people who don't like the 12 tribes would argue that they drug them and they don't let you leave. But I actually had a former member that contacted me and said they are not mean. They don't keep people there against their will. And then the 12 tribes leaders that I had spoken to on the phone that, that said that they are a drug-free community and people work in exchange for room and board. The kindness that I got from them when I was asking them my questions, it did not seem like they, they did not get on the defense. They were very nice. Like I said, most of them returned my phone calls or the ones that did say they were going to call me back after checking. They definitely did. They have a different way of dressing and like the women cover up and stuff like that. But from what I gathered from our investigators, they are not well liked in the community. So I, I try to give them the benefit of the doubt, especially since they were so kind to me. Is it possible that Kevin would have found comfort from such a group? According to Kevin's sister, Kelly, he did struggle with some undiagnosed mental health issues that may have been the cause of his erratic behavior at the festival. He would kind of have these, I don't want to call them hallucinations, but delusions and a little bit of paranoia where I don't believe he was schizophrenic, but he, he would just be very paranoid and think somebody's watching him or thinking things are happening that aren't, which kind of ties back into maybe he was thinking that things were happening with Kayla and this other guy that really weren't. So maybe he did walk in on them doing something and it just totally set him off. And maybe he walked off and just got real pissed and walked off. But James had actually told, I have the note right here, on August 6th, Sergeant Bach called me back and said that he had spoken to James. And James said that he was the last to see Kevin. There was no argument, but Kevin was being weird and moody, ripped off his wristbands, and walked away. He walked away from the tent. Kevin and James, he described them as good friends, and he said that Kevin was an excellent mechanic. Like, those are the things that he said to the sergeant. So that kind of twists around Kayla's story where she originally had said that he was in the tent and then was was not there anymore. So she did tell me that when they were there that Saturday that they were getting some food or something and she and Angel were talking about something and Kevin came up to them and was like, stop talking in code. Like, I know you're talking about, like, cheating on me or something like that. And she told me this. And she said, Kelly, he was just going kind of berserk, which who knows? Who knows what kind of drugs he took? And, and I believe her. Like, that part of her story never changed, that he thought that she was cheating on him. Just nothing is making sense. She's not a person of interest at all. I'm not saying that she did anything wrong. But I truly feel like she knows more than what she's 
telling us. And if we could just get the mindset of where Kevin may have been at that moment, like where he may have been thinking, like if he was freaked out about what he saw between her and somebody else, maybe we could understand more. But we don't know. We asked Kelly if she's had any recent contact with Kayla to speak to her about Kevin. She won't speak to me. She said that people called her like heroin addict and, you know, and she's like, you know, I still have a father that lives in this community. I have kids that go to school in this community. She's like, your family is ruining my life. And I said, I'm talking to her the same way I'm talking to you right now. And I'm just like, Kayla, I did not say these things about you. What we talk about behind closed doors, my family, that's our right. But I can tell you that I've never called you a, a heroin addict and a drug addict. I said, that is not me. And I cannot control other people say, but I still don't believe that she did anything malicious, violent, or anything like that. I just think that there's more to the story. So what happened to Kevin Graves on July 1st, 2018? Did he walk away from the life he knew due to an argument with his girlfriend, Kayla? Did Kevin plan to walk away from his life because he wanted to become part of the lore of the festival, like Carl? Did he join a group called the Twelve Tribes in hopes that it would better his life? Or did something darker happen to him, like a drug overdose or an act of violence? We may never know the answer. The best we can do is hope that someday we will find out the truth and give those who love Kevin the answers they deserve. At the time of his disappearance, Kevin Graves was described as having blonde hair and blue eyes. He stands at six feet tall and around 185 pounds. There is currently a $10,000 reward for information regarding his whereabouts. Anyone with information about the disappearance of Kevin Graves is asked to call the Oakland County Sheriff's Office at 248-858-4950. You can also call the Michigan State Heart Post, 231 873 2171. He was a functioning member of society. He paid his taxes. He had a good job. He helped take care of his family, which was, you know, Kayla and her kids. You know, he was a productive member of society. I know my son wasn't an angel, but he wasn't a devil either. He did things wrong, but he didn't do him that wrong that he was uh, a criminal or anything like that. He wasn't the type of guy that would go out and uh, hurt somebody for something. Uh, he just wasn't wired that way. And I don't know what else I can tell you except that I love him and I'd do anything to see him again. Have him walk up to me and put my arms around him and still take him in. I keep hoping that he's going to... I'm knocking on the door one of these days. It ain't happened yet, so I just don't know what to do next. I just don't know why, if he's alive, I don't know why he would just leave. Maybe for like a month, maybe for two months, but for him to just not think that we care and want to know where he's at if he's alive I just can't wrap my head around that and heaven forbid if if he um, went on his own and died in one way or another I truly feel he wouldn't have made it far and we would have found his body um, it's hunting season his body's in a field somewhere surely a hunter is going to find it and I truly feel that I truly feel like he is alive but just without a trace people that I haven't spoke to in years you know contact me on Facebook they're not even friends with anymore and they said I stumbled across this and I made the connection back that this is your brother no I'm so sorry and like I'll run into people like going back to school with the kids this time this year, you know, you see more people and they always ask how you are and they know that you're hurting, but you don't know how to respond because who do you know that's gone missing? 
That brings us to the end of episode 166. I'd like to thank everyone who spoke with us for the show. If you have a missing loved one that you'd like to have featured on the show, there's a case submission form at thevanishedpodcast.com. If you'd like to contact me, there's a page and a discussion group on Facebook. I'm on Twitter at The Vanished Pod and also on Instagram. If you enjoy the show, subscribe now and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Wondery.com, or wherever you're listening right now. Do you want to help support the show? There are a couple things that you can do. One way to help The Vanished is by supporting our sponsors. You can find links and promo codes in the episode notes. Another way to support the show is by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Join me next time. I'll be covering a case from Canada. Thanks for listening. Hey, grown-ups! The Cat in the Hat cast is a new podcast from Wondery, perfect for the whole family. Join the Cat in the Hat and your favorite Dr. Seuss characters as they get whisked away on a new adventure every week. Fish dreams of creating his very own polite and quiet podcast. That is, until he gets a surprise visit to his fishbowl podcast studio from the Cat in the Hat himself. And it becomes very clear that the cat has other plans for the podcast. And those plans are the opposite of quiet. Sing along to new favorite songs, try your luck at Titanic tongue twisters, have some fun with wondrous wordplay, and most importantly, bring your family along for all of the adventures in the Cat in the Hat cast. Follow the Cat in the Hat cast on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to the Cat in the Hat cast early and ad-free on Wondery Plus. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Wondery Kids Plus on Apple Podcasts today. Hey, it's Guy Raz here, the host of How I Built This, a podcast that gives you a front row seat to how some of the biggest products were built and the innovators, entrepreneurs, and idealists behind them. Every week, I speak to someone new, stories like Justin Wolverton's, a lawyer who just wanted a healthy alternative to ice cream, so he created Halo Top in his Cuisinart. Or Todd Graves, who grew his fried chicken restaurant Raising Cane's into one of the most successful fast food chains in the U.S. All of these great conversations can help you learn how to think big, take risks, and navigate crises in life and work from people who've done all of that and more. Follow How I Built This on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to How I Built This early and ad-free right now on Wondery Plus.